Familiars. Allison? Yes. You're late! <laughs> You're late. I don't think I'm the one that's late. I suppose we're both late. Oh, it's been a week. I spent something like four hours yesterday getting my rabies shot. So you have to go back for, I don't know what they're called, follow up shots after yeah. the main series. Yesterday was my third follow up shot, my fourth set of shots in a row for this and you go to urgent care to get these shots well everyone is sick tim yeah <laughs> and no one's primary care physician sees them anymore yeah yeah so everybody so everyone goes to everybody's urgent at urgent care for yeah. everything from like i twisted my ankle to i might be having like a wee bit of a heart attack yeah so i was there <laughs> because for... it's like it's cheaper than going to your primary care physician and it's cheaper than going to the emergency room so it's basically like triage i mean they're doing all the work of an emergency room without the equipment or the staff and i was there for hours and they're nice enough to let me sit in the car so most of the time i could just sit in the car and not be coughed on by toddlers but so much time had gone by that i went in to check and they're like oh you're up next so I sit down in this area that's literally away from everybody, purposely, mm -hmm. like everybody else, because they're just hocking up lungs. <laughs> and it's just... You feel it, like you're in a TB ward it was at the turn of the century. It was horrible. It was just horrible. And people are just, you know, they, they shamble in and they're like, I don't feel good. And you're just like, oh, please. <laughs> just please. please stay away from me, please. But the water fountain was right beside where I was sitting. And oh, this, you're sitting next to an attractive nuisance. Yeah, this guy brings his toddler up to the water fountain, and this kid is just coughing all over the fountain. He's coughing in my general direction. I'm just, and I'm literally like trying to turn my back as mm -hmm. much as possible. Like, like, I'm trying to be polite. I don't want to, like, you know, he's just a kid. He doesn't know any better. But his dad should know better. Mm -hmm. His dad should have been like, hey, buddy, don't cough on strangers. Ah. <sighs> So these little luxuries of humanity are all but gone now. <laughs> that basically ate up a good portion of my editing time yesterday, and we didn't get an episode out. Thus, so this was just your long-winded excuse. Yeah, I'm, I'm, why yeah. you should have just sent out the thing like the um, people that pick up the trash do. Due to the holiday, things will be a day late. I should. I should do that. Problem solves. Yeah. Now everyone else could have gotten back the last three minutes of their time. <laughs> We got a very nice donation from Bermejo A. I want to thank you for your donation. Thank you. That helps a lot. Compliments to us and Brother Richard. So, On the first part of tonight's show, I'm going to talk to Judy. She has this flannel man type account. Saw him twice in one night. 
He came back? Or he never left? Uh, I guess it depends okay. on how you interpret it. Pretty interesting story, though. And after that, you know, Chad and I do our solstice walk every year on December 21st. We pick a place and just go. And this year, John came with us. So we'll be hearing some clips from the solstice walk after that. Before we get to that, though, I want to thank our patrons. Thank you, patrons. Thank you for your help. Thank you for your support. We could not do Strange Familiars without you. So thank you very much. If you like what we do, if you like Strange Familiars, and you'd like to receive extra content besides, you can become a patron at Patreon. It's patreon.com slash strangefamiliars. All of our patrons get commercial-free versions of the weekly shows, plus full extra episodes exclusive for our patrons every month. At least one. Sometimes we do more. Again, it's patreon.com slash strangefamiliars. If you're on Apple Podcasts, there's also a program there called Patron of the Strange, where you will get the commercial-free weekly shows and the extra episodes monthly as well. Thanks again, patrons. All right, let's go ahead and talk to Judy about her ghostly flannel man. talking with Judy tonight. How are you doing tonight, Judy? I'm doing really well, Tim. How are you? I'm doing all right. And you have what I believe is an experience with Flannel Man or something like it. Definitely uh, something like it. All right. I got to catch them all when it comes to Flannel Man. I, I love these accounts and trying to get everyone I can on the show. So if you don't mind, you can tell us just about, you know, you don't have to be too specific if you don't want to, but just about where this happened and when. Well, this event occurred in 1990 in Los Angeles. Okay. uh, Do you want me to go on? Sure. Yeah. Okay. I was living in a studio apartment on Gardner street, which was just down from sunset Boulevard. Uh, It was an older building, maybe built in the forties. My roommate, Lisa, was a good friend who had been subletting the unit on her own and asked me if I wanted to become a roommate so we could save on expenses. I thought, that's a great idea. We're both in our 20s, so to make a name for ourselves, every penny saved was a good thing. Mm-hmm. The studio is about 200 square feet. The door to the unit opened onto the living room, bedroom space. There was a queen-size bed straight ahead, about 10 feet, nothing fancy a mattress, and a platform. A couch was along the left wall. The bathroom was to the right. The entry to the kitchen was a few feet across from the foot of the bed on the left side of the unit. And we had French doors with three large glass panels on each door, which separated the kitchen from the living area. So if I were to sit up in the bed, I would be directly facing the kitchen French doors. Okay. And... You'll understand why I go into such detail on the layout and furnishing as the story goes on. Understood. So one night after we had both fallen asleep, I suddenly sat up and saw a young man, maybe in his early 30s, at the end of the bed, his arms crossed casually over his chest, just staring at me. And I knew I was in the stage between being awake and being asleep because I have a history of this kind of thing. Okay. And as I was staring at this person, I began to notice in my peripheral vision that the room had changed. The bed was different. 
It was now a four-poster bed with a dark canopy. Hmm. And the young man, yeah, very interesting. The young man, dressed in a red flannel, long sleeve shirt and blue jeans, was leaning against one of the posts. And he was smiling. And the best way that I know to describe this smile, it was if he knew I was thrown off balance while he was right at home. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And so I kept staring at him. And our gaze was unbroken, even as I noticed the changes in the room. A few seconds into this, I started to shake my roommate's arm, saying, Lisa, Lisa, there's a man in the room. There's a man in the room. Wake up. And as she wakes up, everything disappears. And she says to me, I don't see anything, Judy. Do you want me to turn on the bathroom light? And I said, yes, please. So she turns on the light. We both go back to sleep. I think it was about 45 minutes later when I sat up again. This time, again, in that in-between state, I was caught in another staring game with this person only now we're looking at each other through the reflection of one of the glass panels on the French doors. Wow. So, yeah. So I'm sitting up staring straight ahead at the panel while he was sitting in a dark-colored armchair near the front door. And I could make out the armchair in my peripheral vision to my left. So he was, like, directly to my left, about eight feet. So after a minute or two, everything fades again. And I just went back to sleep. But the story doesn't end here. Two years later, I'm working for a trade show company in Los Feliz. And I'd been there for over a year already when I learned that our PR manager used to live in the same building I lived in. And I was reminded of my flannel guy experience. And I asked her if she remembered someone like that living in the building in that unit. And she said, yes. Ooh. Uh-huh. And I asked her what happened to him. And she told me that he died of a complicated immune disorder. I asked her if she had ever been inside his place. She said no, but that the same manager still lived there and she would know. And it's so odd to me that it never occurred to me to ask the manager about a former resident. But maybe it's because I rarely saw her. I don't know. But the first thing I did when I got home from work that day was to go find her and ask her about this person and the furniture in their place. She confirmed that he had a four-poster bed and an armchair. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Now there's one more twist to the story. A couple of months later, I was doing laundry in the building's little laundry room down the hallway, like usual. And just across from the two machines was a little storage area separated by a little partition, which up until that point, I never thought to peek around to see what might be there. Well, on this day, I peeked around the wall. And what happened next always makes me wonder about how the brain focuses on what and why. Because along with a couple of other miscellaneous items, there were a pair of very dusty French doors laying on the floor. Hmm. And these doors each had nine small glass panels, three rows of three. And instantly my mind brought up the memory of the experience with the flannel guy, and I realized only then that the doors in the second encounter that night when we were staring at each other's reflection in a glass panel had nine small glass panels. Wow. Not the three 
not the three large ones that existed in my time frame. So what happened, Tim? Oh, my goodness. I'm getting chills. This is a great one. I love this. There's so much here. There's so much here. Well, you know, it, it seems like I didn't just see into his reality. I stepped into it. Right. You know? Right. And it's interesting that the one thing you said was that the room changed and he disappeared when your roommate woke up. Uh-huh. That's a very interesting detail. So you were, or it felt like you were awake at least already. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember everything, you know, I remember everything. And my friend Lisa, who I'm still in contact with after 30 years, a few years ago, actually said to me, Judy, I did see that guy when you first woke me up. Really? Yes. Wow. Okay. Wow. Uh -huh. I don't know why she didn't admit it, you know, when it happened, because, you know, to me, it's no big deal. It's like, okay, this is happening. And it's all going to go away like usual. Yeah. So the other thing that you were able to go back to sleep, just go right back to sleep. Yes. I don't know why this happens when people encounter paranormal things, but it does. It's it's like a a marker of these paranormal events. I don't. It makes no sense. We should be. If you see a dude in your room who's not supposed to be there, adrenaline should kick <laughs> in. You should be awake for the rest of the night, right? Right. But there's something yeah. about this stuff that's like I don't know. We go right back to sleep. Yeah, I didn't feel threatened, but it was more of a shock, and. And maybe I didn't feel threatened because I've been in that in-between state mm -hmm. many times. And, and I always knew that if I kept staring, it goes away. And I learned through a little research in lucid dreaming that if you're lucid dreaming, you know, where everything is so real that you come out, you lose the lucid dream if you continue looking at something too long. Hmm. And I thought, wow. I wonder if there's a connection there. Hmm. The other thing I'm taking with is that you noted his demeanor and his expression. Yes. This came into my life because my wife, before we were married, we were staying at her parents' house and a guy appeared at night at our feet when we were sleeping and she screamed and woke mm. me up. And I didn't see him, but I was so tired. I was like, it's okay. It's okay. I didn't even look, you know, and I regret that to this day because it may not have been okay, but... She noted his expression, and she said he looked surprised like he was caught. Like, he shouldn't have been there, or he was caught. Like, he was amazed she could see him, or something like this. Like, he, he had been caught doing something that maybe he shouldn't have been. Interesting. But, yeah, but see, that you both noted the expression. It, it's it's very, very interesting. The fact that this there was a fellow that lived there before that meets this description is super interesting as well. Because ghost, maybe, time slip, though maybe as well, you know, where there's some kind of weird thing with time where sometimes people are able to sort of move into these past events somehow, or at least observe them. Mm -hmm. So that may have happened as much as it may have been a ghost. I'm not sure, but I come back to the flannel. So why, why the flannel, right? So I have all of these different accounts all over the place, all over the world of these entities, whatever they are, wearing flannel shirts, plaid, or buffalo plaid usually. Do you remember if it was buffalo plaid, like more like checked, or was it more like a, a plaid plaid? 
it was a plaid plaid. It was red with maybe, you know, dark blue thin, mm-hmm. you know, lines yeah. and yeah. yeah, so it's, I mean, it, it doesn't really matter. I think buffalo plaid is most often seen, but we've had green plaid and brown plaid and, and all, all manner of things. So so what is mm. it about this? Is it just that the pattern's ubiquitous anyway and people are going to see that? I don't know. But it's so fascinating to me that, that you would have this event and he would just happen to be wearing a plaid shirt. I mean, come on. That's just so <laughs> interesting. It's so absolutely interesting. And you probably told this, upon the second time waking up, and he's he's sitting in the chair. Did he disappear again, or did you fall just fall back to sleep when he was still there? It kind of happens like at the same time, you know. It's just it, I just got into my mind. I'm going to keep staring, and it's going to go away. Basically, that's what happened. I just kept staring, and it disappeared. Then I laid down to go back to sleep. Mm-hmm. And at this point, had she had your roommate turned on the bathroom light? She turned it on after the first time i woke up right so the bathroom light would have been on at this point yeah that's the yeah. second one so did that help you see him essentially not really okay <laughs> okay i mean but it was just you can imagine our eyes locking in the reflection of the window pane i mean why <laughs> yeah why would that happen you know oh it's so fascinating and you didn't have an intense fear response. You kind of knew this was something weird, maybe sleep-related or something else, not a dude in your room that was up to no good. Yeah. No, I knew it was not a physical dude in my room. Mm-hmm. But just initially to see him standing there looking very real, just a few feet from me, <laughs> you know, and very aware of what was going on, it seemed to me. Yeah, that was a little jolting. Oh, sure. Yeah. Well, that's what I say. It's like, and even my wife didn't, she woke up screaming, but it was less the fact that he was super intimidating and more the fact that he just shouldn't have been there. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, most often what people get. I think sometimes people are generally like, whoa, what's this? Especially I've had some where people wake up to use the bathroom and get a drink of water and then they're walking back through the hallway and they see one of these guys. That would be a lot for me, I think. <laughs> yes. Because you're up and about for a bit, but yeah. Right. Oh, wow. So at what point did it come to your uh, knowledge that other people were seeing these things in plaid, these flannel men, as I call them? My son, he's a big fan of yours. And we were in the car on the way to, to do some grocery shopping. And the story happened to come up again. And he goes, Oh, my God. Like a light bulb went on in his head. He says, Mom, you saw the flannel man. You have to talk to Tim Renner. (laughs) (laughs) I said, I don't know, honey. I don't know if it qualifies. The guy was identified, you know, but I'll be happy to talk about it. Sure. Yeah, yeah. We say flannel man, and I think sometimes that gives the impression that it's one guy that's appearing to people. From the descriptions, these are different guys or whatever, whatever they are, they're different, you know, by description for all the accounts. I don't think I've had, you know, too many that sounded like they were the same guy. You know, some are tall, some are short, some are have beards, some don't, some are carrying t- tools, some aren't, you know, it's, it's all kinds of things. It's just that shorthand term we use flannel man. Yeah. So, I mean, I think it counts, but I don't think that doesn't mean that it, it wasn't who you think it was, you know, whether it was a ghost or a time slip, like we were saying. Yeah. But you know, my question is, like, does does the flannel or does the plaid pattern in some way help or enable people? I don't know. I, I just don't know what, what to make of it. I did read that buffalo plaid was considered a very, very powerful pattern 
by uh, some of the Native American tribes when it was brought here by a, it was a Scottish tartan and it was brought here by a, a, a Scotsman who was trading with uh, certain tribes and they considered it a very, very powerful pattern. Mm-hmm. So whatever that means, but that as far as the plaid or the, or the uh, checkered pattern, having any sort of uh, innate power or anything, that's the only thing I've ever found. But certainly people are seeing people in plaid all over the place. Wow. Amazing. Well, what was going on in your life at the time this happened? Anything weird? Were you in a liminal state, changing jobs, changing life around? Anything like that? No, no. I'd been at this job for about a year. I was there for another year. You know, nothing was was out of the ordinary. I did tell this story to one of my neighbors down the hallway. Turns out he had an experience, but a paranormal experience, but not with, he didn't see anyone. And then someone upstairs also had an experience, you know, where it came and sat on the bed and leaned over his face kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, yeah, it uh, it was a very happening complex. <laughs> yeah, well, that's another thing you get. I think there's this idea that, you know, you need to be in a spooky old Victorian house to have these things happen. And apartment buildings and places like that are very, very active. And it was, uh, it was a fellow named Jeff Ritzman, who is unfortunately deceased now. He's a excellent mind when it comes to paranormal one of my favorite people in all of this that i've ever talked to and he's the one who pointed that out to me first and it it really is true uh you know people think oh it's a it's a new apartment building you know this shouldn't be happening but no it's it it can it has to do i think with the the amount of people coming and going and whatever energy goes with that i don't know i don't know because both of these renters had been there for several years Mm-hmm. And do you want me to tell you the story of the one at the end of the hall? It's really interesting. Sure, absolutely. Okay, so this young man's name was David, and he was a teacher at a private school. He taught history, and he left for the weekend, actually, to go visit his parents. And when he got back, when he entered his apartment, he'd had a picture that had a glass panel over the, the frame, and it had looked like it had just jumped off the wall and the glass was all broken on his floor. And then he had a little bird in a bird cage and the little bird, his little head was pushed through the wiring and he wasn't with us anymore. And so David didn't freak out. He just said, you know, you're here. That's fine. I don't care, but just don't do this kind of stuff anymore. And he never had another problem. I often get contacted by people who are, you know, they feel like they're being harassed by these entities or or something. And that's the first thing I tell them, to ask politely but firmly for it to stop. Mm -hmm. And you'd be surprised how often it works. That's the first thing to try. And often it works. Who knows why? (laughs) But it does. It does. Wow, that's, that's wild, though. I've heard the pictures falling lots, but the bird is, is quite disturbing. Yeah. Yeah. That was, uh, mm-hmm. and, but he had no fear, you know? Yeah. He, yeah. he, he wasn't afraid. So um, it sounds like you've had, you said you were kind of familiar with that in between stage with sleep. Have you had sleep paralysis or similar events? Um, no, but when I was younger, I would get up and walk and talk in my sleep. Ah, okay. And, yeah. Yeah. One time, my dad used to like to tell me this story. He was passing my bedroom, walking down the hallway, and I guess I was about 14, and I was on the floor, very gingerly picking up 
pencils and putting them in my pencil case. There was no pencils and there was no pencil case. <laughs> and my dad said, Judy, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm just putting these back in. They fell out, you know. And then after I was done, I crawled back up into bed and went to sleep. Wow. And my dad said the next morning, we always got up together. He made breakfast and I would be up with him before my other brothers and sisters woke up. He found my pencil case in the living room had fallen off the couch and the pencils were on the ground. Oh, isn't that strange? On the floor. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's neat. <laughs> the follow-up question to the sleep paralysis question was, Did you have you ever seen any of these, any other entities in this sort of in-between stage? I did. I was staying over one night with my boyfriend and he lived in a big house in Malibu, kind of older, in the hills. And again, I was sleeping. And I sat up. This distorted face of a young girl came right up into my face. I mean, like two inches from my face. And said, you can't have him, you know, in the scary a voice that she could muster. Wow. And so I just kept staring at her because I knew it would go away. And it did. The next morning, I said, Phil, do you have a ghost in this house? And he goes, yes, I do. And I can hear the cabinets moving, or shutting, opening, closing when they putting away the dishes. <laughs> I'm like, Great. This thing's physically moving stuff around. Wow. And then he said, let me show you something. And he had a fireplace with a wooden mantle, and he showed me a little stick figure of a little girl that had been etched or carved into the wood. And he said, this was not here when I got here. Huh. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So I immediately sat down and wrote a letter to this little ghost girl and told her, don't worry, it's not going to work out with me. And so, <laughs> 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 he's all yours. <laughs> Did that come to pass? Did it not work out? That did come to pass. Uh, yep. well, very prescient. So where you're calmer than I am because I've had things approach me and, and I swing. I swing at them. I've never connected with anything, but I've taken swing to the point where when my kids were very young, I would tell them, do not shake me awake. Call me from the other side of the room because I was afraid I would, you know, out of fear just because I've had a number of these things happen. I never wanted mm -hmm. to hurt them, you know, so I'd say just stand at the doorway and call daddy's name. Don't come over and shake him. You're braver than I am when it comes to that. I don't have the patience to sit there and uh, see whatever they're going to do. Do you find yourself in that in-between state as well? Sometimes. It's rare as I get older. When I was younger, it was a lot more common. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there was one time when I was fully awake. My dog was barking and staring at something in the kitchen. And I got up and I walked to the kitchen just in time to see this figure with like a silver lining just melt like I saw half of the figure and it just melted into the just disintegrated you know mm -hmm. into the floor it was very cool I'd never seen anything like that before all silvery you know now was this upon waking up or was this were you already awake at this point I was already awake okay. I was awake and I just wanted to see what the dog was barking at yeah yeah so we said it's silvery looking like yeah the outline was still and apparently someone had died in this place as well mm-hmm We've had like what people call glimmer man or static man that was, you know, uh, they say it almost looks like the, the predator. Was it kind of like that or was it literally like silver? 
No, it was a human form standing at the sink. And I happened to get to the kitchen just as it had already started dissolving. It, you know, I saw like the last half of it. Mm-hmm. I could see the outline of the human form, but it was silver, light outline, and it just to the floor and was gone. wonder what the dog got to see, right? <laughs> I know. <laughs> I can only interview them. Yeah. Well, I have a fun question that I've been asking people, and this is a true story from UFO history, supposedly. On the morning of April 18th, 1961, Joe Simonton saw a silver disc on his farm. He went outside and investigated, and he stepped aboard the craft, where he encountered three dark-skinned humanoids who handed him an empty jug. Joe filled it with water and brought it back to them. And in return, they gave him some pancakes. So the question is, would you eat the pancakes? Hmm. <laughs> uh, how does he know they're pancakes? I assume he looked at them and, uh, and they looked like pancakes. I mean, there are pictures of these. By the way, he did try them. And he said they tasted like they did not use salt in them. They were very bland tasting. Hmm. How did he know that they wanted him to go put water in the jug? I have no clue. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there's a more detailed account of this, but, you know, it's just a fun thing I picked out of a UFO history kind of thing. And I thought, oh, that's a yes. fun question to ask people. Personally, I say no, but I've had a lot of people say, well, you don't want to offend these people if they have, you know, super high tech. And, you know, it's like, yeah, but still, <laughs> I, you know, I don't know about that. Yeah. You know, I don't think I would, but I'd probably invite them to my place while I made pancakes. Well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> See if they wanted to eat my pancakes. And, and include a little salt so they're not so bland. I think they were yeah. analyzed even at a lab, and they said they were basically buckwheat pancakes that just, you know, very plain, no salt kind of thing. So they That's were, so interesting. Very bland. Hospitality. Yeah, there you go. Well, Judy, thank you so much for sharing your stories with us. You're welcome. It was my pleasure. Let's do some thank yous before we get to the solstice walk stuff. I want to thank Tina from sithappens.us. Remember 90 Days to the Perfect Puppy? How could you forget 90 Days to the Perfect Puppy? Yeah, sithappens.us for all your dog training needs. Tina sent me a wood carving set. She must have been paying attention. I don't know where I talked about it, but I was talking somewhere that I wanted to get more into wood carving. Yeah. So she uh, she sent me that. It's so very observant. Thank you, Tina. Very I'm nice. always amazed that people are able to give like really incredibly thoughtful gifts that just hears something offhand, and then mm-hmm. I don't have that ability. Zoe, who's been on the show, I don't know, three times or something, she sent us a Christmas card. Thank you, Zoe. I think that's Gory, right? That's Edward Gory. Oh, right? of course it's Gory, yeah. Yeah, so it's an Edward Gory Christmas card. Well, sure, it says on the back, Edward Gorey, she knitted mufflers endlessly. Yeah, um, Zoe is one of the uh, most interesting people I think I've ever met. And I'm not saying that in the uh, in the way when you say like, oh, that's her. she's very interesting. No, she's like totally the most unique person, one of the most unique people I've ever with like the most un- unique aesthetic. Just, what is her, um, the preppy witch? She does the preppy witch. 
primer, I think it is. Yeah, is it primer or primer? Oh, it's probably primer. I'm not prim or proper <laughs> enough to know how to pronounce these things. I'm sure Zoe knows <laughs> precisely the way to pronounce. We got a Christmas card. Um, and it's, it's kind of from the. Should we name a family? I don't. Sometimes I don't give people's last names because we're a weird show. And I don't why don't know. you say the lady's first name and her first okay. initial of her last? Okay, so it's from Louise H. And she sent a very, very nice note with a Christmas card from her family. Just really sweet and talked about how much she likes Strange Familiars and asked what a zine is. You got it, pretty much. She said, I've gleaned that it's a mini magazine. Pretty much, yeah. It's sort of like it started as a fanzine, they called them, like a fan magazine in probably the 60s, I think. Is when they started. People started making these things at home. Kind of like underground newspapers. Yeah, a lot of them would be based on like a particular property. Like there's a lot of Star Trek fanzines, you know, people who just like Star Trek and would Mm -hmm. write about it. Sometimes they'd write fiction or draw pictures or whatever. And sometimes they, you know, write articles about the production or whatever else it is. So that became a thing. And then people started making zines of all types. You know, I think 70s and 80s, they started exploding out. So it'd be like male art zines. There'd be what they call personal zines where people would basically like journals that people would publish, art zines, you know, people just... Decos, things where people just decorated pages. Yeah, yeah. Music zines, of course, or, you know, almost any genre of of music, mostly underground music, would have a series of zines. So they're just sort of independently published magazines, I guess is what they are. Often photocopied. The best ones are. (laughs) Yeah, back in the day. I think zines have... They've evolved, and now they can be entirely I, the, online. And, and they're beautiful. Yeah. A lot of them are like— And people the, have skills way beyond Yeah, production value that, that we just—yeah. Back in the day, in the 80s, it was cut and paste. Like, and rubber you, cement. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, thank you for the very, very kind note. That was, that was very sweet. The folks at Fiddler's Green, Clint Marsh, sent us the— Christmas number, which they send every year. He does a little publication for Christmas every year. I think we've gotten these for like 20 years, haven't we? I mean, it's been... He's been sending... I think we met at Terrastock in San Francisco, which is a... That's an underground music festival Stone Breath played in the 90s. I think we met there. And I think he's been sending them to us since since then. So So he's been publishing these since before he published Fiddler's Green. His print quality is always amazing. His stuff always looks great. His zine looks amazing. <laughs> yeah, Fiddler's Green is amazing. If you want to check out a really, really beautiful, speaking of zines, if you want to check out a really, really beautiful zine, Fiddler's Green is an excellent example. Fiddler'sGreenZine.com. Thank you, Clint, for sending that. I think that's all the thank yous for now. I'm probably forgetting, folks. If I did, I'm sorry. We probably yeah, got cards. Sometimes we, we get cards and then they don't get on the pile to remember things. And yeah. It doesn't mean that we didn't see them. and It just means that... We're not organized people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> December 21st, solstice. Chad and I have had this tradition since, oh, I don't know, before the pandemic. We started doing these. The first year we went to White Rocks Trail, which is where Chad had his initial experience that brought him into our life, where he got screamed at by something on the trail after his friend saw something hairy run up the mountain. He said that friend never went hiking with him again after he saw that. Oh, wow. So this guy was a hunter and stuff, said he wanted to get into hiking. So he's like, hey, Chad, will you, will you take me out? And Chad said, sure. 
they went out to this place, and they're on their way up the mountain. They find this smoldering tree had been struck by lightning the night before. So Chad runs back to the parking lot because they couldn't get any cell service to call the fire department because, you know, it's danger. You know, mm-hmm. this, this can start a forest fire. While he's down there, he comes back, and this guy's, like, you know, wide-eyed and said he said he saw something run up the mountain, and Chad could never get out of him. He said, was it a bear? And the guy's like, no, no, no. And he would never describe what it was. He was, like, freaked out. And Chad's like, well, come on, let's let's go up, do the hike. So they go up to the top of the ridge there at White Rocks. They get screamed at by something, like, really, like, roared at, super powerful. Freaked them out, freaked out some other people that were on the trail. They end up leaving, and anyway, this guy that Chad was hiking with is like, is this what hiking is? He's like, I'm <laughs> never going hiking that's a, again. That's a bad first trip out. Yeah, yeah. So the first time we went, because that's where Chad and I met, we decided, hey, let's do the Solstice Walk. Let's go there. Let's do White Rocks. And you can find it on an episode. I'm not sure which episode it was, way back. But we went up to the top. White Rocks, you, you basically go up a mountain, you get on a ridge, and you walk the ridge over to the Appalachian Trail. Well, we got up on the ridge, and by the time we got to the AT, it was about midnight. We're looking down in this valley, and we saw some like lights, and we're like, are there people? Like It was cold that night. Mm-hmm. It was like nine degrees, I want to say. And we're like, what? are there other hikers out here at midnight on the AT? Couldn't figure it out. But as we're looking at these lights, which were strange enough, I see much closer to us in the woods a red light light up. I'm like, what is that? Because there's nothing up there. And then as I'm watching it, I see another one right beside it, another red light right beside it come on. And for all the world, these look like eyes now, two red eyes looking at us right at midnight. And I'm like, wow, this is uh, pretty intense. We decide to turn around anyway. We're not from running from the lights, but just like, hey, we're done our hike kind of thing. We, we Our purpose was to go up to the AT, turn around and go back. As we're going on the way back, Chad's behind me, and all of a sudden he says, Tim? Yeah, he's like, I want you to, as safely as you possibly can, but as fast as you possibly can, get going. I'm like, okay. He's like, don't ask me why. I'm like, all right. (laughs) So it's White Rocks is like at night Uh because you're picking through boulders and stuff. It's like crazy slow. So I'm doing the best I can moving through there. And we get to the turn where we're coming down the mountains. I was like, what did you see? He's like, oh, I saw those two red lights move from the woods beside us to up behind us. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Do you think it was like like parts of a gun or something? Like some part of a, like a scope kind of thing? I don't know. I have no clue what it was. I have no clue. It was just odd because there was one and then I was like, oh, if there were two, I'd say that was like eyes, Bigfoot yeah. eyes. And then boop, it's like as soon as, almost as, a, as soon as I said it or thought it, I don't remember which it was. The other one lit up. I was like, oh, my gosh. Yeah, but I I can't say what it was. It was it was weird. I think the next year, I can't remember. I know one year we did Cadoris, One year we did Pandemonium. And I think we might have skipped a year during the pandemic. I forget. But in any case, this year, we decided to go back up near White Rocks. We we're kind of on the other side of the mountain on, on the AT. And we're kind of walking north towards it to put us on the other side of that valley. John came with us. I want to apologize to John. I don't think he knew he was in for a a four-hour, six-mile hike. (laughs) I think he just thought we were going to take a casual night hike, and I felt like we kind of abducted him. Yeah. Because, you know, by the time he realized what was going on, he was like, oh, okay. And he hadn't brought water or anything else. You know, he he, I think he was just prepared for a little He's like me. He goes to bed early, gets up early. Yeah, yeah. He wasn't 
I'm in not. Her. I'm not into your like. Let's stay up till four in the morning thing. Yeah. Mm-mm. Too old for that. So sorry about that, John. But he was a trooper. <laughs> he did great, and he said he had a great time. So, so we're on the Appalachian Trail, basically over up and down mountains. It was a really hard hike. About six miles, I guess, five and a half, six miles, something like that. But six miles in the mountains is rough. It was quiet. Pretty much nothing happened till we get towards the end of the hike. And you'll hear in this part, I start out saying, like, do we really want to go down this hill, guys? Because we had set a time where we were going to turn around. Mm-hmm. Because we knew however far we go in, we have to turn around and go that far out. Mm-hmm. So we had about 10 minutes more before we were going to turn around. And, and you hear me saying, do we really want to go down this mountain because in 10 minutes we're just going to have to turn around and go back up this mountain you know that's where it starts and that's where we see some lights and i want to play this and at the end i'll explain why (laughs) now let's do some hike math here. Do we want to go down this for 10 minutes or do we want to just turn around and go back? Because <laughs> we go 10 minutes down, we got to go 10 minutes back up. Well, you know what we could do? Because this is like kind of a good spot because we can see, we can see, we got one mountain here, okay? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. One mountain there. You kick your light off. There's a light there. That's another ma- That's another valley. And we have another mountain over there to the left. So that's Center Point Knob right in front of us. Okay. Maybe just sit here in the dark and see, see if we see anything. How's that sound? Yeah. Now, what are those, those are houses over there, I'm assuming? Yeah, that's that's the, actually an opening between the mountains. Okay. That's where that road goes down to this. Are we looking at Boiling Springs or what there? That's headed towards Boiling Springs. Okay. Yes. So what we saw would be up over in this direction. Yeah. It's actually brighter out here than I thought it was. It is a little bit brighter than I thought, yeah. Like the clouds are diffusing the. Yeah. Like that was the way it was at Site Seven. That when we were there, it was brighter even. Yeah. We didn't even need headlamps is that there night. A, is there a new map today? I didn't think there was. I don't think there was either. I can actually like see the trail through the trees. I know I think Yeah, I don't necessarily want to do it without my headlamp, but if I had to, I could. Well, I'm not suggesting we do. I'm yeah. Just yeah. I just wanted to see if we actually saw something. So if that valley that we saw stuff would be more this direction. Okay. The trail kind of goes like that now that I think about it. Sorry, guys. I was wrong at first. There's a light down there. Is there? Yeah. There shouldn't be anything down there. Uh, there's a tree going here, and there's a door closer here. Right between the two. I thought I just oh, saw yeah, one. Yeah, 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 I see it. I thought I just saw one, too. I just saw something on the floor. Yeah, Is it far? Yeah. Yeah, it's way it's out. Not. Oh, okay. It's faint, too. Yeah, I kind of lost it now. Oh, I, I saw it. it. I got a perfect view of yeah, it. Yeah, I here. saw it. <laughs> it went and, yep, I got it. I kind of locked in on it now. Now it just flipped out. Now I, I'm still seeing one. I'm not sure it's the yeah. same one. The one I'm seeing is kind of coming and going. Yeah, this was coming and going. Yeah, what is that? I don't know. So there's no wind, so it can't be... No, it's dead still. Yeah, it can't be something blowing in front of it.
Is that far? That's pretty far down in it, there. It has, it, it looks far to me. Center point knob is, is you're at least two miles away. I'm just thinking of the lights at Site 7, they're always closer than we think. Yeah, that's pretty yeah. far down in there. Alright. No, no. No. No, I just seen a second one off to the right. Over further. And I, I'm like canned to the right. Oh, yeah. Fur further from you. No, I saw it. I saw one like along the trail. Down along the trail here? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, what I'm looking at is like off to the left. Yeah, I see, I see one in there. I keep Whoa. seeing it. Yeah, right there, super bright. You guys see that? Oh, that's the one I think I was seeing, yeah. Okay, I don't, no, I'm not seeing it. I was seeing it. Is it stationary? Yeah. Right here, it's, uh, is it stationary? Yeah. Yeah, there's, there's one, there's one in here too, closer to the trail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, I'm, I'm going slow. I just... Yeah, I don't see it down here. Do, do you still see it up there? Okay. Yeah, I cannot see it from here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maniacs. I see I can't see it at all down here. Yeah, I can't either. I was hoping I would get closer and be able to get a different angle or something, but I... Like I you sit and watch it and it disappears. Yeah, I can't see anything down it's here. It's definitely moving. I mean, it could, it could be a headlamp. Could. Sound's gonna carry really far. So there's houses, but they're on the other side of that mountain. We're not at that angle to see them at all. I don't even see it anymore. No, you can't see it down here. Yeah, that was your sight tree right there. Right here. Yeah. No, I thought you guys were further up. Really? I thought you were up here. Yeah, I thought you guys were up here. Like here. It's the thinner one, I think. Somewhere in here. Yep, I saw it right away. There. Oh, you see it? Yeah. Come over in front of me. Now I just seen one right above your head, John. Straight down. It was like orange. That was weird. Like right above John's head, like straight ahead. Yeah, of course, turn the lights out. Oh. It was a flank. Yeah, this one. It's moving. Maybe. When you were standing, uh, at, when you were standing at that tree, I saw like a quick flash, but it was up. It was at the here. It wasn't even near that. 
I thought somebody it, down in there. I got this one again right here. They're in the same place they were if they are. It looks like it's moving slightly. I mean, it also looks like it's pulsing colors. Yeah, I thought I saw it turn red. Yeah. yeah. I hope you're recording this. Like, I don't got it at all. I have it dead solid. I mean, has it? Yeah, I see it like. I'm getting closer if you want, but it seems like it it dims. To me, it looks like it's like sort of like doing this kind of a thing. Like it's moving, almost like it's tied on a string and the wind's blowing a little bit. Okay, I see. Now the ones we saw. And it almost gets red. Yeah. The ones I saw when we were here the last time, we were going like this. They'd come together and make one big one, then they'd move, and then they'd separate. It was really weird. What's really interesting, because I have it dead solid right now, but I can only see it with my left eye. If I close the left eye, it's gone. If I open so it, 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 see, I'm, I, see I have it. the same effect, John. That's weird. Yeah, it would move. Is that just an angle thing? Maybe, I don't know. You have the same eye? Yeah, I did. So weird. Now my eyes are watering because I'm staring too hard. I, uh, did a, yeah, I, I see nothing. I lost it. Well, you've got better vision than me and John, I think. So come, come where I am. I might just not let you in the right angle. Line up. Using the tree. This tree right to, to the right of, of the next tree. See the next okay. tree there? Just get in there. Oh, there it is. Yeah. Is it moving or changing colors or pulsing? Or? I feel like it's swaying. I mean, is that an illusion because I'm? Yeah, that's what, that's what I'm, I'm kind of trying to figure out. But no matter where I can find it. All right, so if I use my left eye, I can see it. Or my right eye, I can see it. But if I move my left eye over to see it, we're in the same angle. Uh -huh. I can't see it that's at all. Same with me. I close, I close my left eye and then I move around just the right eye to find it. Like, I can't find it. Yeah, see, I'm seeing pulsing. Okay, so, okay, see, so, yeah, that's what that's what I was thought I saw. Now I don't know if I'm seeing the same one or another one from this angle. It seems dimmer. It's not nowhere near I as see, bright. I, I see the color change you're saying about where it goes blue and red. Yeah. That is weird. Yep. Oh my god. I just saw it swing like this. Uh huh. I mean, like swing, like real far. Real far. That would have been a ten foot, at least a ten foot radius from this distance. You don't have binocs, do you? No. Why are we not carrying binocs on this thing? <laughs> because honestly, it would just look like a blob. I know, but it might. It makes me want to go down and see if it's a person. I'm for getting closer, but the only problem is we couldn't see it at all down there. That's that's a thing. Now I just saw movement through over top of it, like a shape move, but that could have been anything. That swing was so weird. Like I saw it like this, huh? Yeah. It went like this. Huh. So we must be looking at, a, I must be looking at another light because I didn't see it move when you said that, you know? I said, oh my God, because I couldn't believe how far it moved. So I must have another one, but it's doing the same thing. It just went rent red. See, now it's going like this. This one's much dimmer, but it's there. Yeah, there it is. You see it? 
Yeah. It's dimmer, right, than the other one, or it's a different angle. Should I don't. Should I turn a headlamp on and just see if it Try will it. Yeah. respond? Try it, yeah. I don't have a laser. I have, I have a, a flashlight which is pre-pointed. Point it out. And just, just kind of move it, see if it will respond to it. I can actually see it through your flashlight. So can I. Oh, I yeah, right? Really bright light. What is that? What is what? What That you can see it with the flashlight on it. Like That means it's really bright. That's brighter than a headlamp. It's pretty wild. Why do we want to try to get a little closer and see what happens? Now, this one just brightened up. John, come over here to this angle by this tree and flash it down towards it. Flash towards the light? Yeah. Like, I can literally see it through your light. Yep. I can still see it through the light. That's yeah. bizarre. That is very unusual. What is up with that? It's got to see, whoever's down there has got to see that. I mean, it just comes right back. As soon as you turn that light off, it's just like, boop. It's got, if there's a person down there, they got to see that. There's no way in hell they wouldn't see that. Yeah. It's just like floating around down there. So now it's moving to the left. Use this tree. It's really weird. Man, it's like as soon as I get to here, it's gone. One step back, I see it. As bright as that is, I should be able to see it from any angle. What's in the... What's what? Whoa. Hmm? It just went boop. It just kind of flashed. The one I'm looking at, anyway. I just saw it. Like uh, good again. Ooh, something moved by it. Yeah, I saw that earlier. Like Let's I, go. Go towards it? Yeah, let's see what happens. I saw one off to the left, too, of the trail. I saw one that looked like it was right by the trail. Like what you were standing down here earlier, John. It was a huh. Real low to the ground. Oh, yeah, yeah. You see it? Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. There's two, I think. Uh, so we're higher than it. Yeah, if that's the same one. We yeah. definitely changed our angle to it. Or it changed its angle to us. True. I don't know of any structure down in there. Two. There's two. Two? I thought so. If they're, if they're actually uh, something down there, like a house or something, or a structure I don't know of, the fact that there's two could have been why we thought they were moving. They might have put one in there that I don't, that's new. Like I said, it's been oh. a little while since I was here. It looks much bigger now. Yeah, that's... It could that, be. That almost looks like a house light. Light coming through a window or something. Yeah. Like I almost see the shape of a window there. Oh uh, yeah, I see you it. You see it? Yeah. Huh. Oh, you can really see it now. 
seeing it right here, Dan. Right here, where I am. I'm seeing like a like a rectangle. Yeah. Almost like you're looking at a window at an angle. You know. Yeah, you can almost see the cross piece down the middle too. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? What is it? It's actually a, a camp called Dicon. I've been there. And at the angle we're at, you can see it. Okay. So that's the better. That that's good. Cool. There's the AT. See the dotted line? Yeah. There's Dicon. Okay. Center point knob is right there, like I said. Okay. All right. See, now what we saw last time was not near Daikon. It was down in here. Okay? Because uh -huh. you go to the center point knob. And the White Rock Trail runs that way. Yeah. But what we saw was in the way. Well, that's good. At least, hey. No, solving it is fine. I'm fine with it. Yeah. So that was nothing particularly woo, but I wanted to include it because I think sometimes people think that we're not trying to find the source for these things, that we're, we're just accepting like, oh, there's a light. It must be weird. We saw these lights. We figured out what they were. They were man-made lights. It was, they were coming from a camp that we didn't realize the angle of, of that camp mm -hmm. where it was. So I think it's important to let people know that when we do these on-site things, we do look for reasonable explanations. We do look for explanations. And we thought there was some, some movement and some color changes and stuff. I think they might have been Christmas lights. At this oh, camp. that makes a lot yeah. of sense, yeah. Thinking about it. And the closer we got to it, they, they sort of changed, not in, in as much as, you know, if, if you see lights in a house far away, you can't necessarily tell what's going on, whether they're coming through the lights or coming through the windows. or if yeah, Inside like or outside. Outside lights, yeah. whatever. And as we got closer, I think we were seeing some that might have been in a cabin. Some might have been Christmas lights, et cetera, et cetera. But anyway, we solved it. And I think that's the important thing to get across here, that we don't always go out there and just accept like whatever we see is woo. You know, We go and we, we do look for explanations and we try to figure it out. So I wanted to include that for that reason. Now, was there woo that night at all? Or was it just complete silence on top of the mountain? It's subjective. It's up <laughs> to the listener because listen to these next parts. So this part, you'll hear thuds. I just was walking with my walking stick, and I hit the, this real hollow-sounding rock, and you hear me tap on it. And, you know, Chad says, it sounds like a rattlesnake den. Go ahead and play that. Yeah, I'm waking them up. It's hollow, yeah. Wake up, rattlers. It is peaceful up here, though.
no big deal, maybe nothing. And then we get to this last part, which is right at midnight. Does this mountain have a name? I don't know the name of this one now. Yeah. Might not. Here we are in No Name Mountain. Are we in York or Cumberland here? I don't know. This this could be either or. We're like close to the border. Yeah. I think we're still in York County. Here. Northern York County and or Cumberland County. On the northern tip of the uh -huh. South Mountains. Northern edge. Midnight on winter solstice. Beautiful night. Oh, yeah. Absolutely beautiful night. So, yes, another solstice walk in the can. We timed it well. All done. Six-ish six miles. Yeah, six-ish. This was actually the longest solstice walk we've done to this point. Well, guys, if I have to be out here on solstice, it'll definitely be a YouTube dude. Yeah, it was nice. You gotta do more of this, John. Yeah, we should, like, before it gets too hot and miserable, we should make a regular thing of it. Day hikes are okay, too. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I like a good day hike. I like, I like to, especially if it's a place I haven't been, I really like to see. What is a moth? What is that? God, the only wildlife we found seen. Ice moth. Yeah, he's white. Or a fairy. Yeah, there you go, yeah. Here's the turning of the season. Other than that thing sleeping. <laughs> the only wildlife we saw. Also a fairy. <laughs> uh, no, that was Bigfoot imitating a mouse. <laughs> it, was, it was Bigfoot mimicking a fairy. It was the Takahoe monster. We saw a moth, and I jokingly said it's a fairy. It was in the 30s. I'm a moth guy. You know, I like moths. Mm -hmm. I, I spent years, like, remember at our old place, I used to set up a sheet and put a black laid out, and, like, the moths would come and land on the sheet, and I would try to identify them and stuff. And I love moths. Yeah. I wasn't particularly aware of, of winter moths. There are winter moths, I found out, in Pennsylvania. Uh, there's a couple I think this one might have been what's called a witch hazel dagger moth, which is a cool name. Oh, yeah. If it wasn't a fairy. Uh, it, it looked very luminous, but I think it was just like our headlamps and the moon and or was whatever. Was it close to full moon? It was, but it was very cloudy, so everything was kind of filtered. The light was kind of filtered through the clouds, which actually kind of makes it a little bit easier to see, I mm -hmm. think. So, you know, was this woo, this moth came to, to sort of check us out, flew around us. Some people said, you know, you tapped on the fairy's house you, and, it, and they came out to check you out. Afterwards, I think Barb from Six Degrees said that to Chad. Who knows? It was really cool. And if this was a witch hazel dagger moth, I think that's really cool. You know how they survive the cold? They right. shiver. They'll sit there and they'll vibrate their bodies until they warm their bodies up to, I think this can be like a 50 degree difference or something like that. And then they'll fly. And when they get too cold, they'll land again and they'll do it again. Oh, wow. Fascinating. So there are winter moths. In any case, uh, I had a great time. 
It was really, really nice night. Very quiet, very peaceful. I did at one point thought I saw something moving through the trees. I think it might have been our headlamps for that part where I thought I saw something moving, which isn't on the recording. I was at the head of the group of three of us. I was walking out front and it could have been their headlamps, you know, going across the trees and stuff, which, which, which made me think that. So I don't think that was really anything. The last part of the walk, which is, you know, around that that last clip around midnight, that was about when we were ending it. There's these uh, boulders that you really have to pick through to get to the the road or the parking area on the south part of this particular uh, stretch of the AT. I think John twisted his ankle. It's, again, it's this kind of picking through boulders and stuff. It gets kind of sketchy at night, especially without a headlamp. On my way up, I was just trying to do it without a headlamp, and I quickly pulled out a headlamp. I was way in the back at this point. Those guys were way ahead. And I did get a like a creepy I hadn't had a creepy feeling all night. I had been, you know, kind of going off by myself a little bit to check things out. Especially when those lights, those guys were kind of up a little bit higher on the mountain. I went down to try to see them closer and stuff. I wasn't getting any creepy feelings or anything. And I knew we were getting closer to the road, but it was like this last stretch was like I got this like really weird feeling and I kept looking behind me and stuff. It didn't turn out to be anything. Maybe we activated the fairies when I on their door. Could have been the woodsman. The woodsman. The yeah. winter woodsman. The winter woodsman. We did get a visit from the winter woodsman again this year. And even though I knew the winter woodsman was going to arrive and what time he was going to arrive, when he tapped on the window, I nearly peed myself. With, with his axe handle. <laughs> yeah. The winter woodsman looks a lot like Chad, but it's the winter woodsman. Yeah. And he comes visiting and he brings nuts and candy and uh, lottery tickets. Yeah. That's, yeah. I think he might be related to that little groundhog that sells the lottery tickets. I think you're right. They both wear similar shirts. The Belsnickel and the groundhog got together and... And the, made Chad. The offspring was Chad. <laughs> it's a good origin story and, and one that's totally believable. All right, because we're running late, we didn't really have time to figure out a curiosity of the week, but I do want to thank everybody that's been supporting us via the Etsy shop. That's another way to help us out. Over at Etsy, we have t-shirts. We've got the Strange Familiars, Awoken Tree t-shirts. Some of those are left in -in glow-in-the-dark and classic blue. Various sizes. I forget which sizes we're sold out of, but there are some of those left. We've got the Strange Familiar's Black Dog t-shirt, which is my current favorite one, even though it's white. I'm usually not a white t-shirt guy, but I really love that design, and I love the way Sage printed it at Forest Passage Printing. Support Sage. We have a few of the Black Dog sweatshirts left. I think we've got some 2X left. I'm not sure what other sizes, but I think I think we do have some 2X sizes left. We've got the Mothman design. Strange Familiars, it's my, the Mothman design I did for Department of Truth comics, but it's printed on one color with Strange Familiars logo. We've got that. We've got the Eyes of Night design, very popular design with an owl and a luna moth, speaking of moths. We've got tote bags with the Eyes of Night and the Mothman design. And I might have a couple of the uh, bandanas I did with the Virgin Mary on them. Those are getting low in stock. Flower Path t-shirts should be back in stock soon, hopefully. Also at Etsy, my books, all of my books are there. 
Beyond the Seventh Gate, Don't Look Behind You, two books I wrote on local York County legends, specifically Toad Road and some associated things. Bigfoot in Pennsylvania, which we've been going over for the patrons for in a multi-part series. Still got a lot to do in that. And Bigfoot, West Coast Wild Men, those are books that take old newspaper articles, which I believe refer to Bigfoot mostly. Some of them are just crazy wild men that I thought were interesting articles. I reprint them and, and do commentary on them. Where the Footprints End, Volume 1 and Volume 2, which I wrote with Joshua Cutchin, High Strangeness in the Bigfoot Phenomena. The Witch Cloud, which is about haunted bridges in Gettysburg, but so much more. It's about the idea that places can become haunted by people, by the energy we bring to them. That's available, and you can also get an audio version of that, because that was episode 300. My art book, Apparitions, Illustrations of the Other, my little art book called Elzik's Farewell, those are all available there. Speaking of zines, I did a sort of Catholic ephemera zine called Petals and Thorns. That's available on Etsy. Strange Familiar stickers, patches, my artworks there, originals and prints. Oh, Strange Familiar's mugs. We still have Strange Familiar's mugs. The Bigfoot with Orb, we have a few left. The Bigfoot with the Heart is sold out. We'll print more of those up eventually. I did add a very, very limited 10-inch lathe-cut record by the Forest Beggars as well to Etsy. Comes with the CD of the same tracks. White 10-inch lathe-cut record. Etsy's shop name is Lost Grave. You can always find links in the show notes. Once again, thanks to everybody who's been supporting us on Etsy. Thanks to everyone for listening. We'll be back soon with more Strange Familiars. Strange Familiars is a production of Dark Holler Arts. Intro and background music is by Stone Breath. If you want to hear more or purchase music, you can go to stonebreath.bandcamp.com. Strange Familiars is on Facebook, facebook.com slash strangefamiliars. We're on Instagram, at strangefamiliars, one word, no underscores. For Strange Familiars merch, strangefamiliars.com slash merch. And for everything else, strangefamiliars.com.
eyes like fireplace His eyes like fireplace Spirit touches living hand Living touches the undead Place the silver in the ground Where the stones have 